Hey everybody, welcome back to the Cosmic Car Wash Podcast. With me, I well, I'm Paul. With me as uh, hey. always is my very good friend Rick. And uh, today we're talking about refreshments will be served. Nice. We'll get into kind of what that's all about here in a bit. But, uh, you know, as I was thinking about refreshments, um, go back to my childhood. I was not an athlete as a kid. I uh, didn't grow up in an athletic family. Um, but I did pay, play peewee league soccer for uh, a few years and never scored a goal. Um, I wore the shin net pads and the shorts and the jersey, and that was about as soccer as I got. But my favorite part of that was after it was all said and done, you know, whether we won or we lost didn't really matter so much once you got to the uh, the refreshment stand or the little, you know, stand there where they have sodas and candy right. bars and right. all the things that you can just down in massive quantities as a kid and are no worse for wear the next day. And uh, I don't know about you, Rick, if they did this, you know, where you were at or but uh, suicides were a thing. Like, yes, I remember that. I didn't want a Pepsi. I didn't want a Cherry Coke. I didn't want a Mountain Dew. I wanted a little bit of each, you know, so they would, you know, on. Right. And it was this just hodgepodge amalgamation of all things sugar and carbonation. Yeah. It it was amazing. It varied from region to region, whether it was a suicide or rocket fuel. Rocket Um, fuel. I I had both. And uh, surprisingly, they both tasted the same. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. But, uh, you know, even as an adult, like, so I'm in corporate America now and, you know, trainings and information sessions and all of that, you know, you go and professional development, personal development, all that. But it always makes it worth it when you walk in the room and in the back, there's the, the long table with bagels and coffee and, you know, all of our grown up suicides. And, uh, Refreshments make everything worth it, man. It's okay. like, yeah, I'll sit through this two-hour meeting as long as I got, you know, a little something to eat. So, yeah. Right. It's like walking into one of those sales meetings and you're just a little bit late and in the back you spot the table and it's just packed with everything, you know, bagels, sandwiches, donuts, muffins, and, the, you know, and the little healthy stuff, some granola and some fruit. And you look around and there's a handful of, you know, ne'er-do-wells and you know a couple people eating the jelly donuts and then you know a couple people eating the granola and the meeting's already started and you want to go back so you fake a trip for coffee and and then you're the only one eat smearing cream cheese at the, in the meeting you know with powdered sugar you know, on your face <laughs> down in a bagel when i was a kid uh, my dad was military so we traveled a lot <clears throat> but we always we would go to squadron picnics, and he was OSI. He was a special investigator, and they were all secret agents. They were special agents, but so they wore suit and ties and trench coats. True story. But we would, you know, go to these <clears throat> summer squadron picnics, and uh, the Kaiser kids, the Brood, would show up. The original Motley crew, and we didn't have soda, pop, soda, Coke. Again, one of those one of those regional things. And right. yeah, uh, we called it soda. I, I never knew anybody called it pop till we got to Chicago. Hey, you want to pop? <laughs> <laughs> like, what does that mean? <laughs> so, and we didn't have soda in the house. My parents never bought soda, pop or Coke. 
And if they did, it was because they were playing cards with their friends and it was hands off to kids. It was for the adults only. And I remember sneaking a bottle one time and taking it into the bathroom and uh, sitting there with my soda. Most kids in there smoking and I've got a soda. <laughs> I'm sipping this delicious bottle of ambrosia nectar. You know, oh my gosh, this is what a grown up tastes like. And, and I, you know, bam, 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 bam. <gasps> <You know? laughs> what are you doing in there? Smoking. <laughs> You're going to have me drinking soda in there. Oh, dad, just <laughs> smoking. <laughs> smoking. I mean, obviously, I'm being sarcastic, but going to these squadron picnics, they would have these huge barrels, Paul. And this trough, they had beer for the grown-ups, obviously, just these big troughs. I remember they were stationed strategically through this huge park that we were at, and there's playgrounds and food cooking on the grills and, you know, people from the squadrons and their families and their friends and all their kids, you know. And uh, <laughs> these barrels, huge barrels, 55-gallon drum barrels would be full of soda. Uh, every kind imaginable from peach to black cherry to, to, you know, punch, every kind of soda imaginable root beer. That's the first place the Kaiser kids would go. It was like soda Christmas. We would just be in a circle, you know, <laughs> just drink. So it was just coming out of, we were sweating the soda. You know, that's where we were all day long. If you always knew where we were because there was just this line of soda cans, about half drink, you know, Everything from black cherry to whatever, cherry, orange, grape, lemon, lime. We had to try them all. And that's, that was it. That was, we got one shot because we weren't having soda again unless we stole it from my parents and drank in the bathroom or we waited till the next picnic. So that's when we started talking about this early in the week about refreshing, uh, you know, that, that story came to mind. And it's the fact that every time there's a men's thing at a church, you know, we're having a cleanup day on Saturday or a paint party or, uh, you know, we're moving furniture. You know, uh, we'd like men to volunteer. There will be refreshments. Oh, well, okay. What what kind? <laughs> right. <laughs> a hamburger, hot dogs, and soda. Well, yeah, have to. Have, it, the job's done in 20 minutes, and then you got to feed everybody. Just refreshments. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. So, and, you know, maybe people are six minutes into this wondering what the heck are we talking about? <laughs> I am. <laughs> I have no idea where we're going. <laughs> I don't know. I'm going to go get a snack. I'll be right back. <laughs> Pause. <clears throat> no. So I will, I will get to the point here. So as we were talking about what we, you know, where we wanted to go with this, um, came across when I came across, uh, I was re-listening again to the John Eldridge podcasts from September and October of 2020, where they talk about our ambivalence around the return of Christ. And one of the scriptures they mentioned um, is from the book of Acts, uh, chapter 3, verses 19 through 21, which I will read from the New Living Translation. Peter, so, you know, there's the day of Pentecost. Um, the 120 people that were meeting together in the upper room after Jesus's ascension to heaven. Uh, the Holy Spirit comes down, tongues of fire, you yeah. know, appear on everybody's heads. They all begin speaking in these different languages and then spill out into the streets where there are people in Jerusalem for this festival from all over the known world at that point. And so these people say, what's going on? We hear 
this group of people declaring the praises of God, the glory of God in our own languages. And some people thought they were drunk. Um, and Peter, who uh, you know, was the leader of the group, stood up and begins to preach this message. You know, John Eldridge points out it's the Jesus message. And so uh, he preaches with a lot of conviction about the things that, uh, you know, were prophesied about Jesus. Jesus came and fulfilled those. And then at the people's behest, um, the leaders uh, of, of the, the Sanhedrin and the Pharisees and the religious elite, you know, Rome was complicit in this, in the, in the mock trial and, and execution of, of the Son of God. So Peter pre preaches and there's a ton of conviction. And then uh, they said that uh, scripture says that those, the people were really convicted and said, you know, well, what should we do as a result of this? And Peter's reply in uh, Acts chapter three, verses 19 through 21 says, now repent of your sins and turn to God so that your sins may be wiped out. Then times of refreshment will come from the presence of the Lord and he will again send you Jesus, your appointed Messiah. For he must remain in heaven until the time for the final restoration of all things, as God promised long ago through his holy prophets. And so there's a bit of a segue into like a much larger conversation, the restoration of all things, which has become catnip for you and I, Rick. We have just yeah. absolutely devoured True. the hope and the life that is resonant in this gospel message of the renewal of all things. But that's where the impetus for today's uh, podcast came from is this times of refreshment. So um, I know I went through, you know, scripture and, and found a few other verses that kind of speak to that and, and have got some other things, but I'd love to hear, you know, Rick, what, uh, what you found or kind of what you've been ruminating on as, as you've been looking through this. Well, I, uh, yeah, uh, yeah, I'm a huge fan of the John Eldridge uh, podcast that we both listened to. And, um, I recall the when him and uh, Blaine, his son, are talking about uh, Bilbo's party. And, uh, you know, if you haven't seen the movie or read the book, you probably wouldn't understand. But it is just this huge, it's like the squadron picnic. You know, yeah. it's just a huge celebration. There's, you know, tons of food and drinks. And it's just a time of refreshing. You know, it's very refreshing. And so I, I just did some basic, uh, you know, I didn't do a deep dive, um, but just even the difference between, you know, refreshing and revival, um, excuse me, I heard someone say a long time ago that in order to be revived, you, you had to have been vived <laughs> at least once. And to be refreshed would mean the same thing. At one point, one time, you know, you had to have been freshed in order to be refreshed. And uh, I, uh, so I started thinking about uh, you know, Bilbo's birthday party. And uh, I had a dream. I know I shared it with you not that long ago, you know, uh, maybe a month, month and a half ago. And in the dream, I was at a banquet and uh, it was small, you know, little conference room um, in, a, in a much larger facility. But you have that little room set aside for maybe 30, 40 people. And uh, there was a head table and, and I was coming into the room and I was going to go take a seat and, you know, and there was uh, tables, uh, you know, arrayed so you could see the head table. But as I was going, I felt like I was just kind of floating for lack of a better description. I was, and uh, I went to take a seat and I kept 
moving towards the front. And I, and I was thinking, no, I'm not supposed to sit up there. Well, and you know, I just, I floated past it. And to the left, there was this huge archway with these, um, huge, uh, this veil, this drape, and it was gorgeous. It was red, bright red. And I went through there. It, I was taken through there. And as I turned the corner, this whole, uh, vision opened up and I'm kind of floating over the whole, you know, off the ground, obviously. And in the dream there were the table was unending. Mm-hmm. It was just, it spread out forever from horizon to, I could not see the end of it. And coming out of the tables were these massive, gorgeous, ornate pillars. And the table settings were beautiful and perfect. And, and, uh, they weren't, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Uh, uh, you know, over the top opulent, but mm-hmm. it, it was, it, you know, they were settings for anybody and everybody. And it just kept going. And I, I kept going and I seeing all of this. And then I woke up and I remember, I remember thinking, this is the marriage feast of the lamb. This is the wedding feast. This is Bilbo's party. And, uh, as we were talking about this, this week about the refreshing, that's kind of what came to mind. And I, I found the same scripture you did is that, you know, repent therefore and turn again. And repent means to to turn. And uh, I like in uh, this translation where it says, "Repent therefore and turn again." So evidently, there's already been a turning. So repent therefore and turn again, that your sins may be blotted out, that times of refreshing may come from the presence of the Lord. So in this translation, the refreshing is found in the presence. Not necessarily in the turning. I mean, obviously, that's part of it. That's part of the equation. But the refreshing comes from the presence of the Lord, from the presence of God. And, um, you know, we in our churches in this country, in the Western culture, we have a lot of dry bones uh, to echo. Where is that? Did I print that? From Ezekiel? Yes, yes, yes. From Ezekiel, the Valley of the Dry Bones. We have a lot, you know, and I'm not trying to, you know, insult anyone or hurt anybody's feelings, but anybody that's been to a mainline denomination, uh, you know, in the middle of summer when there's no holidays, it's just a normal Sunday uh, on a normal average weekend. You know, I, I mean, I grew up in a Methodist church, so I feel like I can, you know, I can not target them, but talk about it. Cause I said mm-hmm. in those services for a long time, it can be very dry and unref- you know, unrefreshing. So anybody that is really involved and uh, striving, I guess, to uh, to find that place, to find the freedom and the liberty, I, I think that, the you know, I mean, if you could say that there is a uh, an equation or a recipe or, or a punch list that you have to do in order to get that, that times of refreshing come from the presence of the Lord. And I don't, this is just my personal opinion. I think that people who are around other people who have experienced that and still walk in that refreshing can experience the refreshing of God, even without the repentance and the turning again. And and yeah, and again, that it is that kindness of God that causes them once they experience that refreshment to turn. Yeah. So, and the Bible says that is that, uh, 
it is his kindness that leads us to repentance. And it is, and in his kindness is that same refreshment, that refreshing. And, uh, I, you know, I haven't had a question that maybe I can, uh, kick to you is what makes, what makes someone or something refreshing? You know, <clears throat> I think for me, um, so yeah, you are my best friend and the oh. things that, um, I find refreshing, um, as we get to spend time together and talk, um, there is a, uh, a shared history and a shared experience. You know, I'll, when, when I talk, you know, the context in, in which I'm relating stories from my life. Um, there's fresh perspective because you're not with me in the like moment to moment, day to day, you know, you know what I, what I share with you. And so uh, you don't necessarily lose the, the forest for the trees um, and help me to see things in a different way. And because you're your own person, you bring a, a fresh perspective that helps me to see um, where maybe I have ruled out hope that anything will ever change. You know, a difficult thing I'm going through doesn't look as difficult when I share it with, with you. That's good. And, uh, and then laughter. Yeah. You know, I think we can't discount the laughter of God that his joy. I mean, I, uh, I, I don't recall where the scripture is, but um, it's, I think, probably a new King James or something. It says Jesus was anointed with the oil of joy more than anyone else around him, which wow. in, you know, layman's terms, I think just translates to Jesus was a joyful joyful person that if you walked by and saw a crowd of people, you could probably pick Jesus out because he was the guy that was having the most fun, yeah. you know, and, and not like this cheap, shallow joy, you know, where he's always, you know, cracking jokes, uh, though maybe I'm sure that was part of it. I, I have a hard time believing that, you know, 13 guys sitting around in the wilderness, you know, don't get into some, you know, shenanigans. But, uh, but just, <laughs> right, right. It's just like this abiding kind of joy and lightness of spirit. Like, you know, things aren't so heavy as we make them all the time. Right. So, and, you know, yeah. and that's a really good point. A good observation. You're right. Um, I said a long time ago, I would love to hear Jesus laugh, just yeah. belly laugh, uh, because he's so he's portrayed. And again, I love, uh, you know, kudos and props to Dallas Jenkins for the chosen yes. and his, uh, 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 you know, his, uh, perspective and on Jesus. Uh, I love that. It is so refreshing and rich. And yet, so, you know, we tend to see him as this very somber, morose, yeah. you know, um, uh, you know, his face like Flint. You know, at one point in his mystery, he did set his face like Flint as he went to Jerusalem. He knew where he was going. He was going to die. But you're right. And uh, I can't, again, I, I know it's in the Bible. I just don't know the address. And they were all gathered and, uh, uh, at the sea. And uh, they were just, it, it was like a day off. And they were eating. And, and I'm sure it was almost like the, maybe that squadron picket, picnic with a, a barrel full of soda or pop 
cola. <laughs> yeah, Coke. And uh, yeah, I could see, you know, the, the kids, uh, you know, uh, friends coming and just hanging out and eating and laughing and sharing stories. And, you know, I'm sure that, you know, Peter and Andrew kind of, you know, I mean, they were brothers. They grew up together. You know, they were, you know, joshing and jiving, you know, at times. So, and I'm sure that there was an incredible refreshing there. And for 12 guys to follow, you know, an ex-carpenter who left the trades to become a rabbi, there has to be something extremely fulfilling in that. Even for the fact that, you know, in that time, rabbis never asked people to follow them. That was completely contrary to their culture. Most of those guys would, uh, they had to submit their resumes when they went to follow someone, a teacher, a rabbi, a Pharisee, they, you know, they had to spit all their paperwork and resumes and, and uh, they only would choose the brightest and you know, the best and the brightest students. So for Jesus to walk along and snacks and fishermen and tax collectors and assassins, and um, it was just completely unheard of. And yet they did. So you're right. There had to be something extremely refreshing and yet, you know, it shouldn't be surprising because you and I have, uh, you know, we were able to experience a revival down in Smith in Missouri that, yep. you know, and we were both Christians at the time. That's kind of how we met where we met. And uh, I've never experienced anything like that. I mean, they had moments. And uh, this scripture to me holds true. Times of refreshing comes from the presence of the Lord. And yeah, so uh, I'd like to, to kind of turn now. We, we've been going about 20 minutes, and um, I think it would be uh, we would do our listeners a disservice if we didn't um, point to or start to lead them to uh, where these times of refreshing that we experience now, you know, periodic, occasional, I think they should be regular times of refreshing. But what's that point to? Um, and so C.S. Lewis has a quote that um, I have I've loved, and the more I meditate on it, the more I'm starting to see uh, the truth of it. It says, if we find ourselves with a desire that nothing in this world can satisfy, mm -hmm. the most probable explanation is that we were made for another world. And so uh, maybe you've experienced this. I know I have. Um, moments with friends, moments in activities that I love. Um, you know, one that that comes to mind for me just right off is um, one of the things I enjoy every fall uh, in Michigan, you know, is deer season. And I've been invited into this deer camp tradition. You know, we go up north, we, you know, get a cabin or we maybe set up some tents and, uh, you know, the guys, you know, we all go hunt during the day. And then it, in the evening, we sit around the fire and laugh and talk and, yeah. you know, tell stories and, um I had this moment the last time I went where uh, we were in the Manistee National Forest and uh, I got into my deer blind uh, before sunrise, probably 5.30 a.m. I think shooting light was around 7 or so. Um, and so I'm sitting in this deer blind. It is so literally so quiet. The only thing I could hear was the ringing in my ears and I could hear my heartbeat. Wow. It was just deathly still, and there was a few inches of snow on the ground. Um, there was a full moon that night. 
so the moon is shining through the leaves, wow. you know, the few leaves that were left on the trees down onto the, the forest floor. And it was just like, it was beautiful. It was beautiful. And I had brought my Bible with me and I brought uh, a journal cause I knew I was going to have a lot of time sitting there. And, uh, I think that day I probably sat for 12 hours, didn't end up, you know, shooting a deer, which is fine. But the real takeaway from that for me was how refreshing it is to just sit and appreciate the beauty of nature. But then that, that has to lead us to an appreciation for the God who created that nature. And, um, but, but then it was over, you know, I had to walk out of the blind, had to walk out of the forest, jump back in the truck, head back to camp. Eventually deer camp was over. I come back to my job. I come back to stress and, you know, busy schedule and all that. Um, but what are those times in our lives, wherever we happen to find that refreshing, uh, what do those point us to? And so, yeah, I'll just kind of, you know, toss that back over the net to you. Like, you know, that's, what do you think those things are leading us to? Wow. That's really good. And that's a good question too. Um, what do they point us to? That's a, a that's a great question. And I think it, it depends on. Uh, obviously the individual, um, you know, people that don't have a heart for God and may not even know God and don't go to church. Maybe, excuse me, the last time they were in church was as a little kid with their grandma. Those are moments that I was writing the other morning about, um, I think it was this morning we're talking about, you know, people that go to the woods and, and uh, go camping or go to a lake or the ocean on a golf course and they feel God, mm-hmm. you know, and well, I mean, that's what they say. I feel, I feel God. What you feel is the absence of stress. Mm-hmm. You feel the absence of stress, the absence of demand, the absence of obligation. That's what you feel. So you leave your house and just, you know, Janet and I love to go to the outer banks <clears throat> and when we go there, it's a different experience, but I know that even as I drive around, and I see the residents there who wake up there every single day, every single weekend, and have to deal with people like me who come there and, hey, hey. Um, you know, and uh, yeah, granted, it's a great source of income and commerce, but you trade one thing for another. To them, that's not refreshing. That's uh, annoying, you know, and uh, the traffic is bad and the beaches are crowded and the restaurants are crowded and they're full of people like me and Janet. And we're there and we're, we're being refreshed and we, you know, we feel revived and, you know, knowing we got to come back. So that's what that is. That is really, it's just the absence of certain things. And I don't think that's true refreshing. And so getting back to my question, what makes We'll just say what makes someone. That's a good a good conversation for what makes something. To make something refreshing is the absence of something else. The absence of stress is probably would be the number one um, thing. What makes someone refreshing? You know, and, and I think you know. Just think about that for a second. What makes someone you know, or maybe you just meet, refreshing? Go ahead. Yeah. Um, 
The abs, I like that, the perspective, the absence of stress, the absence of worry. So maybe it's a combination of the absence of worry and the presence of um, excitement and newness and adventure. Mm-hmm. When Amy and I met, you know, this is something that uh, I think about periodically and was reminded of again, you know, that to keep a marriage fresh, it's good to remember the beginning. And even I think in the beginning part of Revelation is John is uh, writing Jesus's words to the churches. You know, there's Jesus's encouragement to remember your first love. You know, uh, every husband and wife needs to do this, to remember at the beginning, what was it that drew you to that person? It was, it was new. It was exciting. It was an adventure. And um, it's that growing familiarity that maybe breeds um, ambivalence, you know, like John Eldred brought up. Mm-hmm. So, um, that's, yeah, that what makes it refreshing is that we, um, we keep ourselves in that place with God's help of the adventure, the, um, the, the excitement, the, the possibilities, you know, I've been reading this, uh, book by N.T. Wright, uh, surprised by hope. And, um, I won't quote him exactly, but uh, he said, you know, hope is more than just wishful thinking. Hope is that thing that lets us know that there are no possibilities off the table. Wow. So maybe that's what that refreshing is, is there are possibilities that I haven't considered. There are ways in which things can work out well that haven't even occurred to me yet. So, yeah, yeah, you and I, we've both been to refreshing places, even when you and Amy have come here and stayed with us. And, you know, yeah. you're in Michigan, we're in Southside, Virginia, and the times that uh, the few times that you've come to stay with us, there's a lot of thing absence, absent in your lives. But to us, it's, you know, we've enjoyed your company by, yeah, leaps and bounds. But it's, you know, see what I'm saying? It would be like us packing up and going to Michigan. To us, it's new and everything. But getting back to people, someone who is refreshing, someone who carries the balm of Gilead, uh, you know, someone who carries that refreshment. And uh, we, I think we meet them all the time. And uh, I, I just if I had to go off just uh, my own opinions and experiences, it's those people that are more interested in you than they are in of themselves. Mm, and, okay. their, and, yeah. and their kindness is palpable, is tangible, and they're interested in you and, and, uh, they're, they're very joyful and they're happy and they're kind and they're interested and interesting and they want to know about you. Um, they're complimentary and encouraging. I mean, encouragement, you said that encouragement is oxygen for the soul. Yeah. And, uh, those kind of people that are very deliberate in their conversation. And, um, the more I talk about that and think about that, that's the kind of person I want to be. I don't want to meet that person and then leave that conversation knowing absolutely nothing about them. But by God, I made sure they knew about me and everything right. I've done, all the stuff I've done and all that I am and who I am and what I am. And, you know, and, uh, that's, uh, that's not, I don't think that's how we were originally wired. And, uh, I, you know, following in the, um, 
along the vein of being a person of, re, uh, you know, who is refreshing, that's how you're going to get people to follow you. Not that we're looking for, you know, a movement or um, lemmings by any means, right. um, you know, to be the Pied Piper of Hamlin. But <clears throat> in order to draw people into times of refreshing in the presence of the Lord, that means we have to either know how to get there quickly or we're already there to begin with. And that refreshment just spills out and overflows. Yeah. And yeah. people feel it. It's, they can touch it. They can see it. They can feel it. And then they find themselves one. I want to be around those people. I want to be around that person. And I know people like that. And so do you. And lady sent me a text last night. Sweet lady. Um, I sold some property for her. And uh, she's one of those kind of people. Mm. You know, she's just constantly. And, and it's genuine. She's very genuine and very concerned. And how are you guys? I just really miss you. You and your wife are just wonderful people. You know, I mean, you know, not that you want to uh, be stroked, but sometimes uh, we need that. We need that encouragement. Human beings, we were wired that way. And because God yeah. wired us that way. But why? Because that's who he is. That's who he is. Yes. Those kinds of refreshing come from exactly. his presence. From him. He is the architect. He, yes. He's the creator. He he is an encourager. You yeah. know, he, he shows us faith when we can't see it. He shows us what we are and what we're capable of when we can't see it. He believes in us when we don't believe in ourselves. He believes yeah. in us when we don't believe in him. I mean, if that is not the definition of refreshing, then I got to throw this Diet Coke away. I mean, Scripture says if we are faithless, he will remain faithful because he cannot deny himself. Yeah. And yeah. And this, this I find refreshment in this. When you yeah. and I get together and we talk like this uh, with the warrior poets, when we had our conference two summers in the heart of the pandemic, we still had a men's conference. and. Uh, Nobody got sick, thank God. And, you know, um, that is refreshing. And I think successful churches, you know, and I, I think you got to be careful because some people measure success in so many different ways. You know, yeah. how many people you got on your membership role, you know, how many seats are filled, how much money you make, all of those things. But really, truly, is it, it, that it truly becomes a wellspring of refreshment, a place of life, a place where people truly go and they get help. And the, and the, it changes them. It encourages them. It's refreshing. It heals them. It is hope and healing that they, when they leave, they're not the same as they were when they walked in. To me, right. that's church. Yeah. Nothing else. You can punch that religious clock all week long, all year long. But if nothing changes in here, you might as well, you know, go play bingo. Right. Uh, you know, join the Optimist Club. It has to be a tangible, palpable, life changing, refreshment, refreshing event to where you're different. 
You're yeah. you are truly a different person and uh, you can comfort those with the comfort you've been comforted with and what's been poured into you just naturally spills out. Yeah, so. you're right. It's a, it's, it's a cycle. I mean, it, the genuine refreshing, we can get moments of reprieve from the stress of the world. We can get moments of, of laughter and you know like i love watching stand-up comedy and i found some great comics over the years that for an hour i'll just sit and right. belly laugh and those things are good but eventually that fades but peter is talking about times of refreshing like perpetual ongoing it's rooted in it it, it emanates from and then leads us back to a person the person of god you know who we see in jesus jesus told philip if you've seen me right You've seen the father, you know, so um, some of the the uh, this goes in a uh, or it could go in a completely different direction. But, you know, some of the, the issues that people have with God as father, uh, they see him as the surly curmudgeon and, um, you know, vengeful and, yeah, you know, yeah, I've been there, too. You know, yeah. distant, cold, uninterested, uninvolved. But Jesus said, if you've seen me, you've seen the father. And that's. You know, it's it's God's desire for us to show us his heart through the person of Jesus Christ. Yeah. And so, yeah, these things that we experience, you know, moments of refreshing, uh, they're meant to point us to the refreshing that comes from the person of God, from the presence of God. And that's that's where it becomes Bilbo's party. You know, right. the table that you saw in your vision, it's it's this feast that is hosted by and because of the boundless joy of the heart of God at being uh, yeah. united wow. with his creation. Yeah. And in turn, we are to pour that same refreshing out where yes. be, just to be, to become a conduit of that. And uh, what, you know, Dallas Willard says that there's no cosmic car wash. Um, that's why it is so important to, you know, to remember who we are now matters and why, wouldn't we want to be that incredible source of refreshment, of kindness, of grace, of generosity, of benevolence, of hope and peace and life, yes. all of those things to just to be that vessel and uh, just really truly become a conduit, just a refreshing human being. Yeah. Everyone you meet. And I mean, I'm preaching to myself right now because I'm not always, <laughs> sometimes I'm that surly curmudgeon. <laughs> yep. Especially, you know, in today, you know, in, um, in today's world, it's, um, uh, sometimes it's difficult. I think we think it's that it's difficult, but really it is not because this good, good earth still belongs to God. It does. And, you know, and if he said, blessed are the meek for they will inherit the earth. Um, I believe that they, it, that's true. And so why would he hand them a, a, a burnt dirt clod spinning in space? You know, so there's, yeah, yeah, there is an inheritance. And, uh, you know, I mean, if we, even if we just look at it outside of the Christian parameters and people talk about karma and things like that, um, blessed are the merciful for they shall receive mercy. Um, why wouldn't we? you know, become those vessels of encouragement, of kindness. Yeah. It, you know, to just 
it uh, it is so much more productive, so much more unifying, so much more helpful, and uh, uh, it it truly uh, just eliminates and alleviates so much of the stress that the world has to offer this current world. So, yeah, I'm yeah. Re I'm refreshed. I am too. I think that's a good place to <laughs> to call it for the day. Um, yeah. Thank you so much for talking about this. I am refreshed. I got to go and run errands after this, but, uh, I do, I feel lighter and yeah. I, I see Jesus more clearly, uh, because of this and I want to spend time with him and I, it, this makes me want to be that person for right. others. Yeah, me too. So, I think, yeah, yeah, we need that reminder. I know that I do. I'm an, I am a, uh, post-it note guy. Yeah. You know? Yeah, I, I can leave them everywhere. Uh, I'm keeping post-it notes in business. I should have stock in them because I have post-it notes everywhere of everything. <laughs> and that's the I need one that just says that every single day and put it on my forehead, uh, put it on the bathroom mirror. Be kind, be refreshing, be seven up. So, <laughs> <laughs> well, you know this uh, maybe the the best post-it note we can leave people. Uh, would say, God is not mad at you. There you go. Amen. God is not mad. Smash that mad. like button, right? Yep. God is not mad at you. All right. Thank you, my friend. We'll be back here next week. Yeah. If you have, uh, if you like what you heard, uh, like Rick said, smash the like button. Uh, you can reach us at info at the cosmic car We'll be happy to connect with you. And if there's things that you would like us to, to cover topics, questions, we're not scholars or theologians. We're just two guys with uh, Bibles and a passion for God. And we want to encourage you the way we've been encouraged. So, Absolutely. See you next week. See ya. <laughs>